Hi everybody, in today's recording we're going to talk about uses and gratifications theory and cultivation theory. Let's go ahead and dive into uses and gratifications theory. People make daily choices to consume different types of media. The theory attempts to make sense of the fact that people consume an array of media messages for all sorts of reasons, and the effect of a given message is unlikely the same for everyone. The driving mechanism is need gratification. Understanding the need helps to explain the reasons and the effects of media usage. People use media for their own particular purposes. The study of how media affect people must take account of the fact that people deliberately use media for particular purposes. This is Katz's fundamental assumption. Audiences are not passive. Uses and gratification emphasizes that media choices are personal. Exposure to media messages do not affect everyone in the same way, but fulfill different purposes at different times. People seek to gratify certain needs. The deliberate choices people make in using media are presumably based on the gratifications they seek from those media. There is not a straight line effect where a specific effect on behavior can be predicted from media content alone with no consideration of the consumer. The key to understanding media depends on which needs a person satisfies when selecting a media message. Media compete for your attention and time, right? Media competes with each other for your time as well as other activities that don't involve media exposure. The need that motivates media consumption must be identified in an effort to understand why people make the choices they do. Media affect different people differently. Audiences are made up of people who are not identical. These differences determine the outcome or gratification a consumer receives. People can accurately report their media use and motivation. To discover why people consume media, they must be asked. Scholars have attempted to show that people's reports of the reasons for their media consumption can be trusted, but this continues to be debated. So let's give a typology of uses and gratification. Rubin's typology of eight motivations can account for why most people watch TV. Now, think again, keep in mind when we talk about media here, these were both mostly based in uh, TV watching, right? Media has evolved over time. So we'll keep that in the back of your mind as you're going through these things. So the eight typologies of motivations for why people consume media. One, passing time. Two, companionship. Three, escape. 4. Enjoyment, 5. Social interaction, 6. Relaxation, 7. Information, and 8. Excitement. Each category is relatively simplistic, can be further subdivided. So then you have parasocial relationships, using media to have a fantasy friend. Consumers develop a sense of friendship or emotional attachment with media personalities. Parasocial relationships can help predict how media will affect different viewers in different ways. In the same way uses and gratifications could be used to study TV viewing, it also holds potential for studying social media as I talked about earlier. So the critique here, heavy on description and light on prediction. Uses and gratification describes the typology of media uses and gratifications, but its lack of explanation and prediction is a serious weakness. Jayan So notes that uses and gratifications theory was never intended to be merely descriptive. It was originally designed to offer specific predictions about media effects. Scholars question the testability based on whether or not people can accurately report the reasons for their media use. 
Uses and gratifications does not offer much practical utility, however. Users are active participants or not. It's really that simple. Instead of staying with the simple assertion that media audiences were uniformly active and making conscious choices, Rubin modified the theory by claiming that activity was actually a variable in the theory. It's now clear that uses and gratification has generated a large body of quantitative research. Future studies need to focus on making testable predictions about media effects based on how media are used for this theory to be a stronger theory. That'll do it for uses and gratifications theory. Let's talk about cultivation theory. George Gerbner argued that heavy television viewing creates an exaggerated belief in a mean and scary world. Once again, throughout this, the original theory focused on TV viewing. Try to put this in the back of your mind of how this has shifted. Gerbner em emphasized the symbolic content of television drama. Television has surpassed religion as the key storyteller in our culture. Violence is television's principal message, and particularly for devoted viewers. Gerbner was concerned that violence affects viewers' beliefs about the world around them and the feelings connected to those beliefs more than it affects viewers' behaviors. Cultivation theory is not limited to TV violence, but it can help people theorize about other TV effects and the effects of how people view social reality, and also keep in mind how social media could play in cultivation theory. Institutional process analysis, the first prong. Research that addresses scholars' concern for the reasons why media produce the message they do is called institutional process analysis. Scholars in this research attempt to understand what policies or practices might be lurking behind the scenes of media organizations. Then you have message system analysis, the second prong. Message system analysis uses content analysis to study what exactly are the messages that TV projects. Gerbner studied violence, but this method can be used to focus on any type of media content. An index of violence. Gerbner's definition of dramatic violence rules out verbal abuse, idle threats, and pie-in-the-face slapstick. Gerbner found that the annual index of violence is both high and stable. Equal violence, unequal risk. The cumulative portrayal of violence varies little from year to year. Minority groups are often the recipients of violence on TV, despite their underrepresentation. Cultivation analysis, the third prong. Cultivation analysis deals with how TV's content might affect viewers. Television viewing cultivates ways of seeing the world based on the images, values, portrayals, and ideologies shown on TV. Cultivation works like a magnetic or gravitational field. The cultivation process is similar to the pull of that gravitational field, right? Although the magnitude of TV's influence is not the same for every viewer, everyone is affected by it. Professor L.J. Shrum believes that people make judgments about the world around them based on what comes to mind most quickly, the information that is most accessible. So then you have this mainstreaming, blurring, blending, and bending of viewers' attitudes. Mainstreaming is the process by which heavy viewers develop a commonality of outlook through constant exposure to the same images and labels. TV homogenizes its audiences so that heavy viewing habits share the same orientation, perspectives, and meanings with each other, causing people to share common perceptions of reality that resembles the TV world. The television answer is the mainstream. Gerbner illustrates the mainstream effect by showing how television types blur economic and political distinctions. They assume that they are middle class. They believe they are political moderates. In fact, heavy viewers tend to be conservative. Traditional differences diminish among people with heavy viewing habits. 
So then you get to resonance. The TV world looks like my world, so it must be true. The resonance process causes the power of TV's messages to be stronger. Viewers perceive the world depicted on TV as a world very much like their own, based on resonance assumptions. Research on cultivation analysis. Cultivation takes time. Cultivation analysis relies on surveys instead of experiments. Gerbner's basic prediction was that heavy TV viewers would be more likely than light viewers to see the social world as resembling the world depicted on TV. The major findings of cultivation analysis. Positive correlation between TV viewing and fear of criminal, criminal victimization. As TV viewing increases, so does the tendency for fear of victimization. Perceived activity of police. People with heavy viewing habits believe that 5% of society is involved in law enforcement. General mistrust of people. Heavy viewers are more suspicious of people's motives. Those are three major findings of cultivation analysis with TV viewing. What does that mean for social media? Let's think about that. How strong, this is the critique, how strong is the evidence in favor of the theory? Critics are not convinced that cultivation research establishes the causal claim that heavy TV viewing leads a person to perceive the world as mean and scary. Testability is seen as low because there is a lack of longitudinal studies. Cultivation effects tend to be statistically small. The theory must adapt to the new media environment of cable, satellite, social media, and how we have begun um, incorporating all these different things. Because even then, cable and satellite are slightly outdated, and this is what they talk about in the book. So I want you to take cultivation theory and uses and gratification theory and think about it in the media that we are consuming today. Good luck in your studies.